This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we have author Shannon Lee Simmons. Really happy to have Shannon back. She's described as a trailblazer in the Canadian financial planning industry. She's a certified financial planner, chartered investment manager, media personality, author, and founder of the New School of Finance. She's really a sought-after speaker, winner of multiple awards in the field of finance, and author of the best-selling books, Worry-Free Money and Living Debt-Free. She joins me now to discuss her new book, No Regret Decisions, Making Good Choices During Difficult Times, which was just released. Shannon, thanks so much for coming back to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. So can you share a little bit more with our listeners on how you got a start in the world of finance? Yeah, because uh, I'm a very much a creative people person. Um, so people are shocked sometimes that I'm in the world of finance. Uh, I really <laughs> love, I truly, it came from a couple of, a combination of things. I was raised in a family business. And so talking about money openly and honestly, um, like my parents went through, like one of the businesses went bankrupt uh, in 94 and I was a 10. And so we talked about that and then I watched my dad build up another business and we all were a part of that. So there were some years where you were up and down and, Money was this thing that we talked about, but we didn't obsess over it in a in a way that was traumatic. So even in those down years, there was always hope. And then in the good years, we celebrated it, and it wasn't like, well, it could go away. It just like it just was a tool, and and we always talked about it. And I think that was really made an impression on me. Um, there was an interest in it, and uh, all that stuff. And then I ended up being really, really good at math, like dorkishly so. And so everyone was like, well, I guess you'll be a doctor or a scientist. And so I was like, cool, I guess. So, and then when I got to university, someone, <laughs> someone was like, you should take a couple of economics classes and like really enjoyed it as again, as nerdy as that sounds, but I hated the fact that it would be taking me away from working with people. And then that's when, um, there was this woman who was kind of a mentor to me. Um, she was in, you know, personal finance and she was like, you know, you can do finance money stuff and work with people. And that was kind of the start of it. And then from there I was hooked as soon as I, as soon as I discovered financial planning and not just being like an analyst somewhere, I was like, that's where it is. Cause I really get to dig into people's lives and also, you know, it's all hinged around the money. Yeah, I think that's great. And mentors are so important. It's amazing, right, the difference they can make in your life. Similarly, like I was in the auto practice at my former uh, firm and thought I would do that forever. Loved audit, which, again, sounds very geeky, right? We're very aligned. <laughs> very much aligned there. But then my mentor said, you know, Nancy, you have such empathy in, in dealing with people. You really should consider going into personal insolvency, right, and, and yep. being able to help people. Within three months, I was hooked. I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I need to do, right? Yep. I, I want to help people. So. Love it. so let's talk now about your new book, No Regret Decisions, Making Good Choices During Difficult Times. It's really a fitting title when you really consider the economic uncertainty that's happening right now, not yeah. to mention what we just went through in the past three years with the pandemic, right? So yeah. was it the economic uncertainty, the pandemic, did anything around those times really inspire the book? And what was really the inspiration around your book? 
It's so funny. It's so appropriate, which has nothing to do with, I, I didn't have a crystal ball in 2019. I had no idea this was all coming. The, the inspiration from the book is that, you know, I've been on the front line of financial planning now for 15 years and you really see people's lives play out. And some of my clients have been with me since they graduated university and paying off student loans. And now they've like paid that off, bought a house, had a family, quit their job, started a business. Now they're prepping for retirement. They're parent got sick now they're divorcing like life has like played out over those 15 years and what was the motivation for this book in 2019 like before the world (laughs) totally changed on all of us um was i started to notice that in my meetings with people i get pulled into these massive life altering decisions that people make because i'm a financial planner so someone's like can i retire do i need to sell my business my um husband just got diagnosed with critical illness and can't work my i'm leaving my partner we're having fertility issues Uh, all of those things all of those major life decisions are also financial decisions and so I, I've been working with people on these high emotional stakes, high financial stakes with really you know, uncertain outcomes, helping them make good choices with finances when like everything's kind of uncertain in how it plays out. And so I started to see there's a trend among those who, if it doesn't work out the way you want to, and I think that's really the key here, because if everything works out, I mean, great. But if it doesn't work out, because life is going to throw you some curveballs. Who's okay with that and still thriving and still confident with their finances and their emotional well-being going forward? And who is not? And what is the difference? And across all those different life lemons or curveballs or whatever you want to call them, the trend is the same. So I started picking up that anecdotal evidence. I was like, this is a playbook right here. This is a book because I can help people when they're in those times of indecisiveness, overwhelmed, there's decisions, the stakes are high. Everything is uncertain. Nothing is in our control. How do we decide our way through that and feel good about what we did, no matter what the outcome is? And that's what this book is really about. And then the title was No Regret Decisions, because that's really what I noticed as being like the key thing in thriving later. And then now after the pandemic and the economic uncertainty, it's just very, very appropriate, because I think the average person is feeling that way versus having, you know, one of these major life crises. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it couldn't come at a better time. And, I'm, and even though you didn't have a crystal ball, like it's it's almost like you did. Like, you know, I, I need to write this book because these things are going to happen and people are going to need it. Well, <laughs> and you mentioned this is yeah, it. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just going to say life does happen to all of us. Right. So maybe I didn't need a crystal ball. Life is just so wild for all of us on a micro scale and a macro scale. It's always going to throw us a curveball. So, Shani, you mentioned that this book is more of a playbook and, and it really is a little bit different than your previous books. Right? Your, your previous books, I mean, they're bestsellers, really considered must reads for anyone who's looking to move forward financially. But your latest book, you've taken this different approach. So why did you choose a different approach with this book and how do you feel it's going to benefit readers, especially when it comes to their financial well-being? Yeah, it is different. So the big joke I used to make is that my job is like, um, you know, 80% life coaching, 20% spreadsheet or something like that. But the books were, you know, financial books with a side of life coaching. And this book really is a life coaching book with a side of finances. And it really, I think for a couple of reasons, number one, the first two books, Worry-Free Money and Living Debt-Free, they cover a lot of ground. So if you want to get your finances together, there's a book for you out of two of those. And so this last one, 
I think I was really interested in helping people because it's still a financial book. The fin- it's still about making financial decisions. It's just making those big ones that feel weighty that can le- It's not about what are we spending money on today at, you know, on our week to week budget. It's about, you know, how, how am I going to afford my life if, if I'm being, if I'm getting separated, how am I going to afford my life if I'm deciding to quit my job and start a business? How am I going to afford, how am I going to make a financial decision given that my partner's income just got taken off the table and that wasn't part of the plan. So it's still going to benefit people financially because it's still, I mean, ultimately I'm a financial planner and a life coach, but I'm a financial planner like first. So the, the benefit here is that it's almost like the first two books are dealing with like the day to day parts of your life for that long-term picture to be clear and feel secure. And this book is almost like punching out and it's with those big major shifts in your life. Those big things that are happening that also impact your money and the decisions you're making are financial decisions ultimately, but there's just so much emotions wrapped around them that you want to make sure you're making clear, um, decisive choices that you can look back on and be happy with financially and emotionally. So I still think it's a financial book, but it is a shift because it's dealing with like those higher stake financial situations in our lives. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's it's oftentimes it, it's what gets people into trouble, right? Trying to make those decisions or when those life events are happening. Like I know in my practice, the bulk of my clients are coming to see me because they've had some life event that's happened to them that sort of made them be in this in this financial difficulty. So I love that you're helping people sort of navigate through that decision making pro- process. And one of the key areas that your book focuses on is the really the ability to make no regret decisions during those tough times, right? Or as you Mm -hmm. refer to them, like a decision crisis situation. So let's talk a little bit more about that. What is a decision crisis situation? Me, you can be in a decision crisis without being in a personal crisis, right? So somebody deciding whether to retire or not or to start a business isn't necessarily having a personal crisis, but there's so many decisions it's overwhelming and they might be, and the stakes are so high that it feels scary. So that's a decision crisis where there isn't also a personal crisis having going on at the same time. And basically a decision crisis is like the road before you, you have to make a big decision or a series of big decisions and it's going to change your life. So your life as you know it today, after you make these, you play your hand, it will look different. So for example, quitting a job. So if you quit your job tomorrow, your life is going to look different than like two days from now. That's a huge decision to quit your job. If you want to start a business, as soon as you sign the incorporation documents and sign the lease for the retail space, your life is different. If you're going to leave your partner the day you say that out loud, like your life looks different the next day. Sometimes we choose it. Sometimes it chooses us. And so if you're the person on the receiving end of some of that news, or there's a diagnosis or something you didn't expect happening, your life looks different even though you didn't want to. The pandemic is a great example of that, right? Schools are closed. What? Like, I didn't ask for this, and now my life looks different. And so I call that your next, like, your next normal. So not new normal, like your next one, because when you're in a decision crisis, you're about to make decisions, whether you chose it or not, that are going to change the way that your day-to-day life looks. And as you're making decisions, they have the impact of those decisions are going to basically build out your next normal life. So what you do today is going to impact tomorrow. And that feels like so scary and so much pressure because it's, it's emotionally scary. There's uncertainty about what your life is going to look like. The financial stakes are super high 
And so when you're in that decision crisis, it can sometimes feel overwhelming, terrifying, and we can also freeze. And a lot of people are like, well, when in doubt, do nothing. And that in itself is a choice, right? Like uh, the, the default position yeah. of whatever life is doing. And so that is what I, that moment in your life when the stakes are high enough that your day-to-day life tomorrow is going to look different, that's a decision crisis. Not necessarily whether you do takeout tonight or pizza. That's book one and two. This is like, when I say yes or no to this, things look different, like, right away. Yeah, I love that. So, Shannon, you also speak of three phrases for every decision-making crisis. So... I'd like to talk about those when we come back. Everyone stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Shannon Lee Simmons. She's a certified financial planner, a chartered investment manager, and founder of the New School of Finance. She's also a best-selling author of worry-free money and living debt-free. Today, we're talking about her latest book, No Regret Decisions, Making Good Choices During Difficult Times. It's now available in a course, again, focus of today's discussion. So, Shannon, you mentioned in the book that there's three phases of every decision crisis. So, what are these three phases that listeners should be aware of? And, and probably more importantly, what advice can you share with them to ensure that they thrive in making a no-regret decision? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, uh, the three phases of them, and this is one of those things that I noticed over those 15 years, right? It's kind of the same no matter what life is throwing at people. There's an element of panic. I call it panic mode. And a lot of people think that it's like, okay, in panic mode now I'm not, and then I have to get to a place where I'm not panicking anymore and I'll make my decision. And I mean, I think that, yes, ideally that's great. But panic mode is when um, life has either been turned upside down or you're, or you're so scared to like pull the trigger on something. Like let's talk about quitting your job, for example, start a business. It's so scary to actually do the thing that you're in, you're panicking anyways. You don't like there's, there's anxiety, there's fear. And the problem with being in panic mode is that you often make really rash or black and white decisions. So really super emotional ones. I'll give a personal example. Um, so like, I talk about this in the book too. I always am very vulnerable and share a lot of my open books and my own stuff in my book. Um, and when the first lockdown hit in March of 2020, I had a six month old baby, a two year old, well, he was almost three. And um, I just signed this book deal and my business, New School Finance was like busy. And I had all my clients who had just lost their job and they were like counting on me. And like my team was terrified. And I was like, absolutely in my own sort of personal crisis and the parks were closed and my kids were freaking out and they were screaming at me all the time whenever I was trying to work, but I couldn't stop working. And it was very, it was chaos. It was, it was really, really hard. I was absolutely in panic mode as was everyone. But as the pandemic wore on, I like couldn't get out of it. Like every day I felt like panicking, like racing thoughts, like can't sleep, like terrified, like could cry at any moment. And I started doing things like, well, if the parks aren't going to be open, we have to move. And I like got a real estate agent and was like, let's move. And which now I know is like a panic based thought. And then the other thing too, is like, well, I got to quit my business because if I don't have consistent childcare, I can't do this. And like, I'm going to quit the book. I tried to quit this book too. I, I wrote my agent and was like, I cannot do this book. I'm quitting. Um, I did that four times actually. And so that's an example of like panic decisions. It's like, I'm so, I'm freaking out so much in this moment. 
moment, I have to lower the stakes so that I can breathe. And I'm just going to make whatever decision feels emotionally satisfying for my panic, not necessarily for the long run me, but I'm satisfying my panic because I'm, I'm terrified. And so you want to avoid those at all costs because sometimes those panic based decisions that we can make in those really heightened moments have long-term consequences in our life. And those tend to be the ones that people look back on when things didn't work out the way they wanted to and they regret them. So they didn't make a choice when they were panicking. They didn't make the choice for the right reasons. They made it to appease anxiety and not necessarily to reflect their long-term values or like what was what they were capable of handling financially or time-wise. And it doesn't reflect who they are. So their next normal is not reflective of, of what they should have been doing. So we want to make sure that we don't make decisions in panic mode that's the first phase and we want to pop out of it as often as we can to make choices the second phase is the messy middle and that's when okay now you actually have to make your decision so again are you going to move are you going to quit are you going to leave your partner what are you going to do for your like for this plan for that plan like all of those big decisions that you have to make like you are making your decision you're no longer thinking about it you are pulling the trigger and you're so over it and it's exhausting but you have to do it and I think in that phase what we really want to do is making sure we're not in panic mode so we know how to get out of it but we also want to make sure that we're doing things for our the right reasons so this is when we really drill down to find our values our core values that are like going to be reflected in this decision we want to make sure that we're thinking about how long are we willing to do this for and how much money can I throw at this thing until I reach a point where I will regret it so this is where we start talking about all of that stuff in the decision making process and then last but not least your next normal and this is actually just how to embrace whatever's happened so your decision's been made your hands been played and now the outcome is just happening and you get to decide whether or not you feel cozy with it did it work out the way you wanted it to did it not work out the way that you wanted it to and if it didn't work out the way that you wanted to how do you make peace with that how do you embrace what your life is on the other side of whatever happened even if it doesn't look the way that you want to and can you still look back at the decision you made in the messy middle and say hey things didn't work out the way that I wanted to for sure but I don't I made the best decision I could in the messy middle with the information I had for the right reasons so I it wasn't a bad decision it was just a bad outcome that's a huge piece of um, calmness and confidence that you can take forward with you into your life and I think just that perspective Shannon right that it wasn't a bad decision it was just a bad outcome Correct. being able to reframe it in that way can make a huge difference to how someone adjusts to their new normal right I think that's the key I actually think that is precisely the answer because if your next normal is not something you like somebody passed away someone is sick you didn't end up like things didn't the, the divorce happened you didn't get the baby whatever that horrible thing is that you're, you've been afraid of happening that you're terrified is going to happen to you if it happens to you after you've made a series of decisions or like the business fails or whatever it is that you decided and it didn't work out if you can still look back and say I am not happy with how this worked out but I did everything I could correctly then you still you still trust yourself and that's key you still trust yourself that you did everything that you could so there isn't any regret and then you won't be so scared about what's coming what life is hap- what life is still unfolding before you because you kind of have that confidence that you can handle it whereas somebody who looks back 
in a situation where it didn't work out and says, this is my fault. I did this. They don't have that peace of mind. They don't have that confidence. So looking forward in their life, it's filled with trepidation, anxiety that they're going to do it again. They're going to screw up again. Life, and then you become an, a really scared person trying to avoid bad things because you're not entirely sure that you can handle it financially or emotionally. And so I think that that is truly that perspective shift that like, hey, I'm in a situation I don't like, but like it, it's not necessarily my fault. Like I did everything that I could do and I made all the right choices at the time. And so I don't regret the decision. I just don't like the outcome. Yeah, I think that's so great. I, I really like that reframing. So do you feel like if you look at what everyone's gone through in the pandemic and, you know, coming out of the, the pandemic story with the inflationary times and, and so much uncertainty with regards to when we're going to be going into a recession. And, you know, on top of that, I mean, there's so much in social media today, right? That's different for people. Do you think that as a result of all those things that people face more decision crisis situations today? Yeah, absolutely. I do. And I think that that's part of that luck piece where I didn't realize that was going to happen. And now I think the average person, even if there's not a major life transition happening to them, is still feeling like there's this book is like there's more decisions with higher stakes, just period, full stop. And I think because of the economic uncertainty, debt levels, interest rates, inflation, stuff that didn't feel like decisions that didn't feel elevated up to high financial stakes and high emotional stakes on a normal basis in a normal like economic situation now feel heightened, right? So they now come into this realm of feeling scary. They're scarier than they should have been. They're scarier than they used to be. And so that's why I think this book is really going to help even people who are like, well, you know, I'm not, none of those major life transitionings are happening to me, but I'm still scared about what's coming down the pipeline. And I think that is a really good, like that was a little bit of luck on that, but the economic uncertainty, you can still use this playbook to decide your way through so that let's say your portfolio goes down or you have to refinance your mortgage at a higher interest rate, or you bought a house when everything was skyrocketing in a variable mortgage. And now you're cramped, you're, you're cutting back as much as you can. And you feel like you made the worst decision to do that. Like this book can help with those things too, for that emotional peace of mind, financial peace of mind and that confidence going forward. I'm talking with Shanley Simmons today about her new book, No Regret Decisions, Making Good Choices During Difficult Times. We're, we have so much more with Shannon when we come back. Please stay with us. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm talking with Shanley Simmons today. She's a certified financial planner, chartered investment manager, and founder of the New School of Finance. She's also a best-selling author of Worry-Free Money and Living Free Debt, and just released another book called No Regret Decisions, Making Good Choices During Difficult Times. And of course, that's what we're talking about today. So Shannon, this book is being described as another must-read for anyone looking to improve their financial well-being. And you say that the book is less about the dollar and cents than the mindset and support and action steps that help readers make sound financial choices. Within the book, you lay it all out, step-by-step advice for readers that will really help them make sound choices when the financial stakes are high. So I want to talk a little bit now about some of those steps that you lay out in the book and, and have you share your advice for listeners. So finding your deciding values. How important is this, especially when you're dealing with what you call decision crisis, which we just talked about in, in the last segment? What should listeners keep in mind? 
Right. Um, I think that it might be the most important chapter of the whole book uh, because it really is what you can hang your hat on and say, this is why I made this choice because it's what's the most important to me. So I think everyone has you know, heard the term values or core values before, right? So these are, these are things that change and shift over our life, but fundamentally they represent something that is deeply important to us. It decides our politics. It decides how we show up with family and friends. It decides how we show up in work. It decides how we show up in our community, like um, with how we look, how we present ourselves. There's all these different things that make us who we are and what our values are. And not all, I'm sure, I think we all have, you know, aspects of every single core value that you could name out there. For example, you know, someone, financial security is probably a, a core value of lots of people, but is it higher or lower than say um, family time? So I think some people would be like, no, financial security is important to me, but not at the cost of my family. And, to, and some people might say financial security is how I show my love for my family. And neither of those people is wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like they're both right because values are subjective. It's about what's important to you isn't necessarily as important to me and what's important to me isn't as important to you. And so this is why I think getting really clear on, so what, on your core values, like who I, who am I and what's important to me? Not, not my neighbor, not my friend, not my family. Well, maybe your family, but like me, 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 like what's important to me at the core. And then your deciding values. We take it one step further and we really kind of hone it in for this decision specifically. So like, okay, of these three to five core, ultimately the core values that you, you have, let's rank them. What is actually the most important one to you? Cause I, I know you, you love all three or five, but like what's the most important and which one is the one that you're going to say, this is going to be my guiding light, my North star, whatever you want to call it for this specific decision, not necessarily 10 years from now or 10 days from now, but this decision I'm making right now, what is it? And if you mindfully do that, you do that as you're in the, you're in your decision crisis, like you're actively thinking about it, making decisions based on that. Then when you get to the other side, when you get to your next normal, you can look back and that's truly how you can calmly and comfortably say, even if things don't work out, it wasn't a bad decision. I just don't like the outcome or it was, it wasn't a bad decision and I love the outcome. So no matter what happens on the other side, you know that you made the right decision for you at the time. It's the complete opposite to a panic based decision, which is made for so many other reasons than what's best for you long-term. Maybe it's to get back at someone. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's just a default position, like whatever the panic based decision is, is not mindful. Um, and so that's why maybe you got lucky in your default position or your panic decision worked out the way you wanted to, but it's not because of your decision-making. It was just like luck. And I think that's the, the main thing about those deciding values. Yeah. And I really like that because you're right. Values are different for everyone. And what's important to some is not important to others, but it, it really leads to overall happiness, right? If you're living your, your values. So the next step that you talk about is pivoting your plans and embracing change. Now, pivoting and embracing change can be really difficult for people, especially if it's something that's out of your control, like a change that you didn't want or, or didn't ask yes. for. So what can you tell our listeners about this? Um, so I think there's two th concepts in the book that I talk about, which is like pivot points um, and then also uh, time and money guardrails. And so I think part of what this book does is it doesn't stop those things from happening. If you run out of time or you run out of money or you, wherever that line in the sand is um, where it's like, okay, now I can't do this anymore. The book can't stop that from happening. But what the book can do is if you're doing, if you're working through the, the steps here, 
when you're in when you're trying to decide things, laying out those sort of pivot points and guardrails before they happen to you makes you feel like you're in control when and if they happen. So for example, a pivot point is like, let's say that you are trying to buy a house and it's you're very emotional about it. It's like a it feels like there's panic. But you also like, but your deciding value has been like, you know, you want to buy a house for the right reasons. It's closer to your family. You don't like living where you're currently living. And so there's all the right reasons to do it, even though it's a, it's a really insane housing market out there right now. So there is panic, but also the deciding values are, are there. It's not, you're not just doing this in reaction because you think, well, if I don't get in now, I'll never get in. And you're just buying whatever house is up. You're, you're really looking for the right one in the right place. But that's all good. A pivot point in this scenario would be an example where be before you actually started bidding on houses, you came up with two lines in the sand, or there's three lines in the sand. One is a pivot point. Okay, my ideal budget is $600,000. Pivot point would be like, we could push to six fifty, dollars but if we did, we would have to give up kids going to this kind of summer camp. I'm just giving an example. So a pivot mm-hmm. point means we're not saying no. You can still buy the house. You can still make that decision, but you're acknowledging that by doing so, you're pivoting other plans. You are changing the game for other things in your life, and then you have to decide, are we willing to do that, yes or no? And if the answer is yes, go on. And let's say another pivot point with $700,000, and at $700,000, you can still afford the house. However, now the kids don't get summer camp or hockey. I'm just, again, using this as an example because people understand the math about camp and hockey. And so so what I'm saying about a pivot point is mapping those out before you make your decision is really empowering because if you get into the bidding war and the real estate agent comes back and says – it's 650. You already know in advance what you're saying no to and yes to. And you can decide at that point based on your values, is the camp a thing or is the house a thing? And then make the empowered decision to do so versus a guardrail, which is like, okay, a time guardrail is how long are you going to look for a house before you just call it quits and rent and be happy with that outcome? Cool. I'm going to look for three years. Great. And the other one is a money guardrail. Hey, if this goes over 750, you're putting your whole family in a situation where your house poor, life is going to be hard. You can't save for retirement. Like, we're not talking about a pivot here. We're talking about actually being house poor. So that's a good, that's a hard line in the sand. It's not a pivot point. It's like a no. And so if you're in your bidding war and you have all of these points and guardrails laid out before you, you know you're not going to do this more than three years. You know you're not going to go over $800,000 and you know what you're giving up if it doesn't work out exactly how you plan to get your $600,000 house. And that is so empowering. It doesn't change what's going to happen in the bidding war. It just means that when you're going into it, you can make informed decisions that feel good, even if it's like higher than you wanted to. And if you had to say, no, I can't afford a house, it's over 700. That's, a, that's not the outcome you wanted, but you're not regretting it. You, you feel empowered by that because you've already, you know that buying that place is going to lead to regret because you're going to be house poor and scared. And no one, and no one wants that, right? Like you might no. get the house your dreams, but if you have no quality of life, it has it all Correct. been worth it. So I love that you're thinking all that through ahead of time, right? And understanding what you're giving up uh, in order to say yes in those situations. That's right. So we talked about the time and, and money guardrails, but one of the other things that you talk about, which I really love, is creating a circle of care. So mm-hmm. tell us a bit more about this and, and why it's so important, so vital. Yeah, so when you're in a decision crisis or a personal crisis or both at the same time, 
um, sometimes what you're going through is like very unique to you. And you might have an existing support network of friends or family or neighbors or whatever, what have you, but they may not be understanding where you're coming from. So um, a great example, like the example I use in the book is somebody who is like a widower. And so they just lost their partner with a second marriage though. So there's grandkids involved, but there's step grandkids. Like that's a very specific situation. And so a lot of, you know, her support network is still married to their first partner and the grandkids are blood related. So there's no politics with it. There's nothing. So like, how can that, how can they understand what she's going through to help support her and get her out of panic mode? Right. When, when that's happening. And so trying to find a, a circle of care is really either a forever or very temporary group of people that are in the exact same situation as your decision crisis who have either just been through it or are currently going through it where it's a fair, like you can really help each other and support each other in a way that like maybe your existing community just doesn't understand or can't get there with you. Another example, um, and this is even in, in my my own life and with my clients and even in my own circle of friends, there's, um, you know, people are getting separated and, you know, this, my one friend who's going through it is like, I need a group chat with other women getting separated right now because all of you, I, none of you want to hear this 24 seven from me and I'm panicking. There's this one email, I want to dissect it for an hour. Like, you know, so I feel like having a circle of care with people who are going through the same thing that you're going to, it makes us feel safe makes us feel heard under understood and there's actually good information being and like being uh, transmitted between people in a way that only those who are going through it can understand so that circle of care may be temporary until your decision crisis is over or maybe forever yeah and i think that's so important and you know as much as we talk about the, the downfalls of social media it's probably one benefit or one silver lining in that it may have it may make it easier for people to find those groups yeah right um Absolutely. and and fine, yeah. So I, I think that that's great. So we're talking with Shannon Lee Simmons today about her book, No Regret Decisions, Making Good Choices During Difficult Times. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the many financial challenges that Canadians are facing today. And she's going to share some advice on how you can make no regret decisions. Please stay with us. Your VOCM Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy, 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm talking with Shannon Lee Simmons today. She's a certified financial planner, chartered investment manager, and founder of the New School of Finance. She's a best-selling author of the books Worry-Free Money and Living Debt-Free. And her latest book is No Regret Decisions, Making Good Choices During Difficult Times. It's now available. And as you've been hearing, it's proven to be a really valuable tool in helping Canadians make sound financial choices. So if there was ever a time for a book like this, Shannon, we know that that this is, is now, right? So there's so, yeah. so much economic <laughs> uncertainty out there. There are so many people struggling and, and many have to make some really tough choices. So there's still many people recovering from the COVID pandemic. There's record inflation, which is taking, a, you know, such a toll. There's, there's stories in the media every day about people struggling with the price of gas, with interest rates increasing, with the grocery store. I mean, I've seen so many stories about prices in the grocery store just in the last week alone. Yeah. And we know that household debt 
Fed is on the rise. In the last quarter, it rose to 1.83%, which means that for every dollar Canadians earned, they owe a dollar eighty-three. When you take all this into consideration, there's no doubt that there are many out there listening who are facing decision crises right now. So what's your advice to these listeners and and how can your book benefit them and and what steps or tools from your book should they be implementing? Um, I think the whole, I think truly from start to finish, it is a playbook. Um, There's all the the map that it lays out on how how to do that, how to make those big decisions is um, it would be helpful for anybody facing this, for all of us really facing this economic uncertainty and especially those that are facing big decisions right now. And so what I think is helpful is that having it, I mean, so, so much of finance books, wellness books, self-help books, whatever, is seems like common sense, right? So when you read it, you're like, of course, spend less than you make, right? Like, it's like, of course, just do this. Of course, make a decision that's good for your values. Like, this all seems like no kidding. What I think is helpful from a playbook point of view or a, and a reading it in a book is it's just making you mindful of it. It's really just allowing you to go through something and really be mindful about how you're doing it. Even if your intuition might've led you down the same path, it's really validating if that's so. And if your intuition wasn't that, it might be offering you a a way to look at it that you didn't think of before that's very helpful. So sometimes I think reading it from a book also feels a little bit unbiased, not hearing it from a family member or whatever on how to handle your situation. You get to decide for yourself when it's coming from a book. You can contextualize it for yourself. So I think that's great um, and helpful in any situation. And I also think that what I love about this playbook is that you can apply it to any situation in your life now, 10 years from now, 10 days from now, because we always have to make decisions. And really, I think a lot of people think that when they see the title, no regret decisions, it implies that you get what you want. And that's not true. There's no guarantees in life. We can't predict the future. We don't have a crystal ball. And so having no regrets isn't about getting the outcome that's perfect. It's about being able to make decisions that you are proud of no matter what is going on and how things shape up in your life. So if you're in a situation where you bought a house in the pandemic and now the mortgage is doubled because of interest rates and you've got to sell it, um, or you're thinking about selling it, for example, let's go through the playbook, figure out whether or not that's upholding values or not. Let's figure out if that's a panic decision or not, because for some people that might be a panic decision. And for other people, it might actually be a, a decision that's upholding their core values. And not two people are the same. So for you, it's important to go through that decision with the playbook and decide, is this a panic decision or a values-based decision? Can I, have I hit a guardrail or, a pit, or just a pivot point? Am I just shifting plans to keep this house? Or have I hit the wall? And, and so all of those things is making you mindful in how you're going to make those decisions so that when you make your decision, whether you keep the house and grit, grit and bear, or you sell it at whatever the market will give you, I'm just, again, using real estate because everyone can kind of understand it. Um, whatever happens in your next normal, whether you have to move or whether you stay in the house and you cut back all the, any sort of happy spending in your life and you grit and bear for the next few years, like whatever that outcome is on the other side, it's not necessarily the ideal, is it? But you'll look back and be like, I did this for the right reason and I'm happy anyways, even though what I'm going through right now is kind of painful. And so I, I feel like that's where this book can help people with massive economic uncertainty is that we don't know how this is going to play out. 
we don't know how long it's going to play out for. And so all you can do is make the best decisions that you can for yourself, for your family, based on the good information that you've got and your own values, what you know, and just making sure that you're not making panic-based decisions, which is very easy to do in periods of uncertainty and scary economic times. Absolutely. I mean, we know that there's so much anxiety out there right now because of the economic uncertainty and the looming incession. Like, people are really worried. So I think you're right. It's important that they're making uh, information-based decisions that are based on the things that are going to benefit them in the long run. Whether it's it's something that they want or not, it's still going to end up benefiting them and, and that they're really living true to their values. According to a recent poll, more than a quarter of Canadians feel they won't be able to financially weather a recession. And one in five at 20% say they won't be able to withstand an economic downturn for more than a month. Some say their financial situation is already in dire straits and would be desperate amid an onset of a recession. So Shannon, for these listeners, for people who are out there feeling that way, what choices should they be making now to safeguard their financial well-being in the months to come? That's tricky. Um, I think the one thing that if you're in a position where you're already feeling like you're you're up against the wall um, is like, okay, what what options do I have here? What levers can I pull should the worst case scenario play out, right? A job loss or something like that. One of the big tips that I often say if people have access to uh, employment insurance is can you pair it, do, do it practicing, not necessarily doing, but um, can you practice like a, like a dress rehearsal if you only had EI coming in for like what, what expenses would be cut? What would go? What would stay? Can you still pay your rent? Can you still pay your, your mortgage? You know what I mean? Like, or are those at stake too? Because I think that's a line in the sand where it's like, sometimes if you know that, okay, if I just had this coming in, but I could still pay my rent and eat between you know, that is a very calming feeling um, for someone who might be feeling like, okay, it's like I have that security. And if you don't, it's a red flag that like maybe bigger shifts need to happen. Bigger decisions need to happen. Maybe you need to move, move in with somebody. Maybe you need to sell, sell a home. Like, like I'm not saying do that. What I'm saying is like, if, if that, if you've reached that level where it's like, okay, even if I lose my job and I have the ER coming in or I, ha- I have to live off savings for, for a little bit of time, I, I'd be okay. Even if it was basic, if it's, if it's not okay, then that's when we have to start thinking about other creative solutions there because most people who are in a position where it's that scary have probably already cut back a lot of the stuff you know they're not sitting there being like don't eat starbucks it's like it's like it's it's so far beyond that um that those tips are kind of lost and so i think at that point you're looking at like major shifts and levers in, in which case you know going through that playbook like doing getting an outcome you don't necessarily like but is it the right decision for you for your values for your long term and I think thinking about the long term is also really important. So I just had a meeting with somebody um, yesterday who interest rates through the roof, variable mortgage, the whole thing. Um, and they've got kids and the stakes are really high and, and, and someone just got laid off in the house. And it's like they can barely they can barely keep it together. And um I they, like pulling kids out of sports, put like, like all the, all the things they're doing all the right things to like pare down and grit and bear. And, uh, I was, I showed them their long-term plan and I was like, look, if you don't say anything for the next five years, not a dollar, like literally not a dollar, don't do anything good for your finances, except try not to go into too much debt over the next five years. If things kind of recover for you in five years, or there's another job at some point, 
um, or the interest rates change or you sell the house or whatever those decisions are down the road, your long-term picture because of what you've been saving before and what you put, and you know, you still have 10 years after that is still going to be okay. And I think that was a huge relief. So their job over the short run is like not to feel guilty that they're putting nothing to savings and not paying down a line of credit. It's just like swim, survive, don't drown. That's it. That's, that's the only thing that you have to do for the next couple of years and everything will still be okay. And sometimes I think that punching out and seeing the long lens and not, and saying, okay, this micro timeline of my life here is not forever and I can go into survival mode for a very short period of time and it's not going to screw my life up forever. I think that's like a really important perspective. And as you probably know, Nancy, in your work, like with consumer proposals or bankruptcies, it's the same thing. It feels, it can feel scary at first, but then it's not forever. And you come up the other side and like life opens up again and it's like, Oh, I can breathe. So always kind of remembering that there's still some tools and options and levers, even if you're up against it. And sometimes those levers are scary, but they could lead to a little bit of like, not like relaxing and like the long run might still be okay. Even though the short run is a bit tense. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been seeing that in, in the practice now, Shannon, right? Like people to your point who are looking to refinance their, their mortgage and find that now their mortgage payment is so much higher and they can't afford their yeah. current debt and their mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. So we're saying to them, well, you need to make the decision. Do you want maybe to file a proposal and deal with your debt and, and then be able to maintain your mortgage? Or do you want to look at maybe selling your property and getting into something that's more affordable. But those are the, the decisions, but important to understand that neither one of them is going to be something that's going to negatively impact your life in, in, forever. In fact, if you can breathe a sigh of relief and, and breathe again, having made uh, that decision on which way to go. So we've exactly. got about a minute left, Shannon, but I do want to give you some time just for some final thoughts. So if you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? Oh, I think it's that um, there are always decisions to be made and hope to be had. And a lot of what the long-term hope, if you can just keep sight on that, even though the short run, um, you know, grit necessary to get through something uh, might feel exhausting and overwhelming and frustrating. Like, why am I here? I don't, I don't deserve this. I worked hard. Like I did all the things um, just to remember and to keep your eye on the long term, pro- like that long game. And if in the short run, you're just continually trying to not make a panic based decision. So, and making decisions for the right reasons, then even if it's something that's not pleasant to go through or do, or it's not what you thought your life was going to be, knowing that you didn't do this out of fear and that you did it for your long-term self is actually a win. It's a huge win. And you won't have regrets on the other side, which means you will still, you will not beat yourself up and you'll look forward into the future with hope because hope, I think, whether it's emotional, financial, whatever, is what makes us wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to, like, this is a good day because I I have hope for the future. Love that. And we should all have hope for for the future, right? The future is bright no matter how dim it might look right now. Well, Shannon, thanks so much for for joining me today. It's been great talking with you. Um, If listeners did want to reach out, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, best way um, is www.newschooloffinance.com. That's where you can 
find our practice, the books, the online courses, the actual one-on-one advice, like it's kind of the hub. Great. Well, thanks again for joining me. And for listeners out there, if you have a comment or question or topic you'd like me to talk about here on Your Money, please email me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees, on your VOCM.